Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. Well, good morning. On this beautiful February day, hey, this has been a, it's been a good month. Uh, you know, we're finishing our series on, excuse me, on Ecclesiastes this morning. I'll be taking you through parts of chapter uh, chapters 11 and 12. Um, there's a, I don't know if any of you know our new Pastor Hayes, uh, Donald Hayes from uh, Lakewood area. Um, he died on Friday, but I was visiting him on Monday, and I said, Pastor Hayes, um, did you ever preach in, you know, preach through Ecclesiastes? You know, you always want to steal ideas, you know. And, and um, he said, no. He said, however, I did, um, I did cite uh, Ecclesiastes 3 occasionally. You know, there's a time and a season for everything. Um, but he said, you know, I got a theory about Ecclesiastes. So I said, tell me what that is. And this is what he said. I thought this was interesting. He said, I believe that God inspired Solomon to write the book of Ecclesiastes, but I don't think Solomon believed what he wrote. I thought that was interesting. You know, if, we, if you look at the lifestyle of Solomon, you know, and his, his history, what little we know of him, we, we can see that, at, you know, toward the end of his life, he kind of, you know, declined spiritually. He kind of fell away. He was doing things he shouldn't have done, and he brought a lot of trouble on himself. And it makes you think, okay, did this guy write the stuff down, but he didn't really walk it out? Or is it possible that what we've been reading is what he learned. You know, this is what God has shown me because of all the mistakes that I've made later in life, and so I want to spare you from the troubles that I went through uh, unintentionally, or not unintentionally, but without, without really thinking things through. And so we don't want to end up like, you know, Solomon might have, or at least to decline like he did, we want to have some wisdom here and, and learn the lessons of this book. And, you know, so, so far, I think this is what we've learned is that our lives, our accomplishments, the things we rely on, everything is just smoke. You know, it's like the book says it's vanity, vanity in some translations, or it's meaningless, it's meaningless. And like Doug explained to us, this is, you know, literally just the idea of smoke. These things fade away. You know, we've got a life in this world that probably promises more than it actually can deliver. So how, how should we live? How should we live, uh, you know, knowing this? And I got four insights that I pulled out of chapters 11 and 12 that I want to share with you today. And the first one is to live generously. You know, we're thinking about the possessions and the money and stuff that we've got, and we realize this stuff is just like smoke like everything else. It just tends to, uh, to you know, get less. It tends to deteriorate. It tends to go away. And, I, you know, this, this um, chapter 11 starts out, literally, it says, throw your bread on the waters, for after many days you'll find it again. I always wondered what that meant to cast your bread on the waters, right? But you looked at all these different translations, and most of them handle it something like, like up there in the NLT, send your grain across the seas and in time profits will flow back to you. In another couple of translations, it says, give generously 
for your gifts will return to you later. And then it says in verse 2, but divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. And I think this is echoed very much in uh, Jesus' teaching in the New Testament, like in the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus was talking about money to his disciples, he said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. This is that whole idea of like it's, it's smoke, right? You can't rely on it. People rip you off. He says stuff deteriorates. You know, if he was living in our day, he'd say there's inflation that just eats away at everything you're trying to hold on to and save, right? But he says instead, store your treasures in heaven. If you want to make wise investments in a world where things are are uncertain and where things pass away, the best thing to do is to store it up for eternity. And Jesus makes it clear in his teaching, the way you do that is to give it away, to be a generous person, to meet needs of people where you see them, to invest in kingdom stuff because God rewards that. And later on in Luke chapter 6, Jesus told his disciples, give and you'll receive your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Every place in the Bible where it tells us to give, we always have this promise that we will receive. And if you wonder why is that, you know, first of all, I think God knows how we're wired, right? We have a hard time giving. That just doesn't come naturally. But secondly, he's going, you know, this is my nature. God says, I'm a generous, I give it all, right? You see that in Jesus on the cross. I give it all away. And he's going, man, I want you to be like that. I want you to imitate me. I want you to have my heart of giving and generosity. And if you do that, then I'm going to make sure that you got enough to keep giving. You know, as long as you keep giving it away, I'm going to keep enabling you to do that because I want you to be like me and have that generous heart and that joy that comes from giving. The second thing that he says here is to be productive. So this is verse 4. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. You know, it's, we've had this tendency in our culture, especially in the last few years, to just play it safe, right? And so we'll many times be afraid to take risks. It's like safety is like the big thing. And he's going, if you have that attitude, you're never going to get anything done. If you wait for the perfect opportunity to do what God is telling you to do, so that every, all your bases are covered, you'll never, get, you'll never get started, right? So he says in verse 6, plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon, for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another or maybe both. He's going, seize the opportunities that come your way to do the things that, that God wants you to do, to, to be able to serve and, and, and be, uh, be effective in, in the Lord's service. I, I got a good story on this that I, I got from an email from a guy who's uh, a, he's a missionary. He's actually sharing the gospel and, and actually in Turkey. Um, and he... Uh, he, he said, you know, it was six years ago, he was out sharing, you know, the good news, striking up conversations with people, coffee shops and on the street and stuff. 
And he ran into these two guys, and he started to strike up a conversation with them. And he said, the first guy is just like not interested in this conversation. He's just like scrolling through his phone and just kind of blowing off everything that's being said. But he says the second guy is asking questions and he's going like, what about this, what about that? And he's getting a chance to, this guy's so interested, it seems like, in, in the gospel that, he's, that is being presented, my friend's presenting to him. So after that, nothing happened. It was like nothing ever came of this. Now, flash forward five years, it was a year ago, and he gets this uh, thing on Facebook, and it's from the guy who was scrolling through his phone. And the guy says, you know what? When you spoke to us that day on the, on the street, he said, I was not interested. He said, I was just trying to ignore you. But he said, I couldn't get it out of my head, the stuff you were saying. And he said, for the next week, I kept dreaming about Jesus. And then he said, I met another guy who shared the gospel with me. And he said, it just melted my heart and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And he says, since that time, I've been leading Bible studies in my home and just been working for the Lord. And he's going, wow. And then he said, about a, my friend said, about a month ago, uh, he ran into another guy who was a fairly new believer. And he said, yeah, that guy, and it was the guy on the phone again, he said, that guy led me to the Lord. And now he says, you know, I'm, he's been discipling me for the last year. Now, I'll bet you, my friend, when that happened, and in the subsequent months and even years, he went, that was a waste of an afternoon talking to those guys, you know? I mean, what's the deal? But it's like, like he says, you never know what's going to happen. You know, so he says, seize these opportunities. And I know if, if you're like me in your life, there are times where you're going, yeah, I did this for this person, and, you know, nothing ever came of it. You know, nobody even seemed to appreciate it. Or you're praying for people, and nothing has been happening, and it's been years and years, and he's going, don't give up. You never know, you know. So he goes, try this, try that, stay busy, be productive. It tells us in, uh, Paul talks about this in Galatians, and uh, he says, so let's not get tired of doing what's good. I mean, it's so easy just to do something and then go, oh, I'm burned out, you know, at doing this thing that God has called you to do. And he's going, let's, let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. You know, when we serve our brothers and sisters in the Lord, that's precious in God's sight. And he's going, don't, don't quit. Don't get tired. Keep working at it. Keep plugging away. Be productive. I was uh, thinking of the story of Frank Reed. You probably never heard of this guy. But he's what they used to call disc jockey. You know, big time in radio, right? And he uh, actually was at WNBC in New York. Big rating station, you know. Uh, and he happened to have like a morning slot in the later morning. Preceding him on the station was Don Imus, uh, who, if you've ever heard this guy, he's interesting but vulgar, right? And then, then Frank had his show. And then following him, you don't recognize this guy because he's turned old and decrepit. But that's uh, Howard Stern. Howard Stern had the show following him. Howard Stern is not only vulgar, but he's obscene, right? So he's sandwiched in between. 
So he's there for, for and these guys are all getting good ratings, but he, he's there for a few years, Frank Reed is. And then his, the alcoholism, you know, the, the drinking starts really getting to him. And he starts going to AA. And while he's at AA, he starts thinking, you know, these guys are doing stuff here that reminds me so much of that stuff about Jesus that I learned when I was a kid. And to make a long story short, he becomes a believer. He calls on the Lord in this desperation at this time. And the Lord, you know, welcomes him in and starts healing his life. Now he's back at the station. He's a Christian. And he's like, I mean, he's not like preaching to the people, but he's exemplifying Jesus in the way that he presents his show. And he's sharing a little bit here and there about his church and and, you know, what, what God is showing him and stuff. And these other two guys just start mocking him and ridiculing him and giving him a hard time. And he goes, I'm going to quit. And he talked to a Christian brother, and the guy said, don't. He said, God has put you in that place. And until he tells you distinctly to leave, you stay there and be a light in that place. And so he did. He, you know, don't become weary in doing good, but keep serving the Lord. Keep serving the Lord, and we'll reap a reward if we don't give up. And then the third thing, okay, be generous, be productive. And the third thing is remember. Are you going, remember what? Well, there's a whole section here where he has this word, remember, remember, remember. And um, I'll break it into a few parts. So first of all, he says, rejoice in growing old, but remember that it gets harder. Okay, so verse 7. Light is sweet, how pleasant to see a new day dawning. When people live to be very old, let them rejoice in every day of life. He's saying, you know, as you get old, every day's a blessing, isn't it? God's given you another day, and he's going, rejoice in that. But let them also remember that there will be many dark days. Everything still to come is meaningless. And I think uh, some of you know this. I think I'm starting to realize this. It gets tougher, doesn't it? And he's going, hey, don't be surprised. You know, don't go like, why am I more tired than I used to be? You know, where did that ache and pain come from out of nowhere? You know, and then what about how come I can't remember people's names anymore? You know, it's just one thing after another. I got this insurance guy uh, who, you know, every year when it comes to re-upping for Medicare, uh, he'll send out a big postcard and just say, hey, I'm available. Give me a call if you want. And he always puts a picture of his dad on there. This is Mike Bentley, the guy who works with our stuff at school. He puts a picture of his dad. His dad's 95 now. And this is the one he sent this year. I thought this was good. There's his dad. There's the birthday cake. And he's got a quote from Mark Twain. Do not regret growing older. It is a privilege denied to many. Isn't that good? I got that up by, uh, by my desk. <laughs> Um, but it's just a good thing to remember. Now, he says also, second thing, though, he talks to young people. And he says, young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. I think God's intention for, like, kids is to have fun, you know, and just enjoy themselves and rejoice in the strength and the youth that they've got. I mean, I think about this when I think about intramurals at my school, I mean, we got this intramural program I've been invested in for, you know, over 40 years. And, and we got this basketball league going, you know, and Jake does a lot of refing in there and stuff. And it's just like, and what do we got? 13, 14 teams, and they're mediocre, 
okay? They all think, oh, yeah, we're ballers, you know. No, you're bricklayers, you know. And this, but, they're have, but it's so much fun watching them run up and down the court and just enjoy themselves. And they're smiling and laughing, you know, except for the times they get chippy, right? But it's, just, it's great to see that. And I'm going like, yeah, wholesome stuff. And I'll tell you what, as a grandfather of 11 uh, kids, I pray every single day for them that my grandkids will have good friends and they'll have wholesome activities, that they'll get involved in good stuff that builds them up and doesn't tear them down. Because, I mean, you, you and I, we all know that there's a lot of bad stuff out there that's trying to lure our kids and our grandkids in, and we got to be really mindful of that and, and really careful. I was just thinking about how, like the story from a few months ago about these two girls from Ohio State, and they're messing around with Adderall, just recreationally. You know, there's a lot of that stuff. ADHD medications are just out there. People sell them and stuff. For, and they were laced, though. They didn't know this with fentanyl, and they died, you know, just in the prime of their life. And I'm thinking about how porn just sucks kids in. They say the average age of exposure is somewhere between 8 and 11, and how addictive that is and how destructive. And then I think about, like, the gambling industry. That's the fastest-growing segment in gambling right now. Online gambling is young people. I got kids in my class that have lost hundreds of dollars online gambling at these, you know, these sites. And it's just like, and, they're, and you know, Michigan State has got a deal going with Caesars, you know, of Las Vegas to put out ads to their students at their college to encourage them to, you know, to make wagers. And I'm going, what's, what's going on in our culture? And so it's like, there's just so much of, you know, the, how the, the phone, you know, our smartphones just kind of, lure kids into stuff. It's just like a bad deal. And so he's going, hey, you're accountable. He's going, have fun when you're young. But remember, there are consequences. And he's saying, remember that, young people. And then he says, verse 10, so banish anxiety and keep your body healthy. But remember that youth with a whole life before you is meaningless. You know, it's that smoke again. So enjoy your youth, but remember it won't last. It's not going to last. These things change. But he says here, part of that, you know, keeping yourself healthy, banish anxiety. And I'll tell you from working with, like, high school kids, that's the, about the biggest problem they've got at this point. I mean, universal, universally, anxiety. we got a society that's just hurting in that way. Of all ages, people anxious and worrying and the fears and stuff that come against people. And, you know, I was just, I was thinking, okay, he says, banish anxiety. How do you do that? How do you do that? You know, our, here's the problem, I think. Our culture's got all kinds of, like, strategies, but they don't work well. And so you go to, like, a medical doctor and go, like, look, I don't have time for you. I'll write you a script. Take some meds, you know. And then we got, like, people go, like, let's look back into your past and see what triggered this and stuff. And we got these... And those things could be good. But what I'm saying is we, many times we don't get to the root of the problem, which I believe is, is spiritual. Like that's where the real help is. And I was thinking about this, uh, the fact that Ecclesiastes, like every other book of the Bible, they got chapter divisions, but they were put in later. And these chapters, one rolls into the next, right? So he says, banish anxiety. And then he says, 
Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say life is not pleasant anymore. And I think one of the keys to dealing with anxiety for all of us is to remember our creator. Remember our creator. He's got answers for problems like this. And I got a great example of this. I was talking to one of our seniors um, uh, the week before last. And I said to her, I said, you know, I've noticed that when you're like leading up there with people leading worship, I said, I've noticed lately that you're leading, you're worshiping. And it isn't just like you're up there and you're entertaining or something like that. I said, something good has been happening in your life. Am I right? She said, yes. I said, would you tell me about it? And she said, yeah, I'd love to. So we sat down and she said, you, you know what, you, nobody's aware of this, or very few people are, but she said last year about this time, she said, I was having panic attacks like you wouldn't believe. She said, I'd have six to 10 panic attacks every day. They were kind of centered around dying. And she just would, she said this would just hit me at various times and I was barely holding it together. And uh, she said, as a result, my relationships, my friends, we're all being like driven away because I was just being, I was hurting so bad. I was, you know, taking it out on them. And things were just getting worse and worse. And then she said, I started thinking about some of the things I'd been taught growing up as a Catholic with instruction there and then the things I hear at chapel and in religion class. And she said, you know what, I got to pray. And so she began to just pray and pray. And she said, sometimes it was just so desperate that she'd just pray a two-word prayer, hold me, hold me. And as she began to continue to cry out to the Lord, she said, she started, said, I started to see things more clearly, and it wasn't so confusing. And then she said, I started like sensing that God wanted me to read in the Bible. So I began reading in the Bible, and he steered me toward Romans. So she said, I started reading the book of Romans just little by little by little. And I started going through there and I drew strength from that. And she said, I got to Romans 5 where it says, you know, perseverance brings character and character brings hope and hope does not fail us. She said, it was just, I, she said, I, I started coming out of this thing, you know, and getting on top of this, you know, these, these attacks that were coming against me. And then she said, but something big happened about a couple months ago. She said, I was visiting uh, with New York City, went there for the first time with a friend, with a friend and, and my friend's family. We we're going to see a show and stuff. And she said, I had, a, I had a seizure. It was a pretty serious seizure. And she said, she found out, well, what just happened, you know? And then they were taking her in the ambulance on, to a hospital. And she said, while she's sitting in the ambulance, she's going, I'm in good hands. You know, I'm, I'm being taken care of. And she's going, why am I feeling like that? I should be panicking. And she thought, wow, a year ago, I would have been just like falling apart, she said, but I realize I've got the Lord walking with me now. And then this is the way she described it. She said, I just, it was like everything was in perspective. And she was so excited. And I thought, yeah, she remembered her creator. She remembered her creator, you know, and she went to him and she called on him. And she kept that up and persevered at that. And that's what he's saying. Hey, young people, you know, I want you to enjoy life. Remember you're accountable, but at the same time, remember your creator. You know, don't take that foolish attitude that so many people have where they go like, 
will be time for that when I get older. He's going, no, no, don't, don't, don't fool yourself about that. And then he starts talking, and now he hits a whole bunch of remembers about the creator before it's too late. And there's a section here, which is classic, where he's talking to people as they get older or warning people who are getting there, okay? And this is from the uh, you know, New Living Translation where they kind of spell out or just you know, some of the metaphors here. But he goes, you know, remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dimmed to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble, and before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding, and before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. <laughs> Young people, you know, hear this. Um, and sexual desire is no longer inspired. Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now while you're young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait till the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well, for then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. And he's saying, remember your creator so that you don't get hardened and you don't just you know, fall apart in your spirit. You know, there's a, another older pastor that I wanted to mention this morning um, you guys know him, you know, you know, Tom, you were, you went to his church for a while, right? You guys did. Pastor Hoffner from Bethlehem. And I remember talking to him and I remember, you know, saying to him, you know, you hear about, I knew he did a lot of calls on shut-ins and a lot of people who were older. And I said, what about this whole idea of like the deathbed conversion? You know, people that, you know, they live a dissolute, bad life, destructive, and then at the end, they repent. I said, does that happen a lot? He goes, hardly ever, hardly ever. He said, my experience has been when people get old, they get stubborn, and they get hardened. And he said, it's very, very rare. He says, in fact, I think I mentioned the story once before, but I remember a guy that I was visiting, and this guy had had a terrible life, and I urged him, I said, even now, even now, you can turn to Jesus and he'll receive you and you'll have this happy future. He said, what about, you know, do it. And the guy is breathing, you know, real faintly, you know, he's starting to go and he just with his last strength, he raises himself a little bit up in the bed and he goes, you think you can make me? And then he falls back and dies. He said, that's more typical than you realize. And I don't want to be like that, you know, and get hardened. I want to be soft and open to the Lord. And I think about, I think about uh, the Prosts. And I think of Norm and I think of Mary. And if you visit Mary in a hospital, uh, not the hospital, but the nursing home, and she can't do much, right? But she's got that sweet spirit and she's so content and never complains. And I'm going like, if I was there, I'd just be whining up a storm, you know, and they'd be booting me. But she's just, and I want to be like that. And Norm, you know, just so cheerful. Yeah, 
you know, I can't see Jim, but, but hey, you know, this happens, and he's just got, oh, man. And he's going, remember your creator. Remember your creator your whole life. And then he closes a book with two verses, and he said, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God, obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. And he's going, look, at, just remember, you're not smart, but God is, right? And be humble enough to listen to his words. And I, I wonder if Solomon's going, I wish I had done that more in my life. Things would have been a lot easier. And I, I wanted just to close here by showing you um, an excerpt. Well, it's actually what uh, an older lady a good friend of our family, and some of you maybe know her, but Cheryl Frederick, she's a grandmother of one of our students, uh, our, our football quarterback, actually. And uh, she was going through pancreatic cancer, and our football team and our basketball team were praying for her. And when she, she went through these treatments for months, and when she was finally strong enough to come back and say thank you, she came to Lutheran West, and one of the first chapels of the year she said, thank you, and I wanted you to hear this because it kind of summarizes, I think, the whole of what I've been saying this morning. So don't worry about me if I start crying. Um, I'm thinking I'm probably the oldest person that ever spoke in chapel and one of the shortest, which is why I'm on the side of the podium here. But I'm here for two reasons. The first is to thank you. Thank you to the awesome football team, Coach Perello, and an adorable grandson, I have to say, um, for their prayers. They prayed for me all summer last year, this past summer, um, when I was first diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And they prayed me through the season. I only missed one or two of their games. And I didn't miss any games with Rice Krispie Treats, by the way. Yeah. I also want to thank the basketball team, this winning team right now, um, for their prayers as well. And um, did you know they beat St. Ignatius by 20 points? <laughs> That's how good they are this year.
And that's the last thing I remember that Wednesday morning. On Thursday, my doctor came in with a mask on, and I always tell him, take your mask off so I can see how handsome you are. <laughs> he took the mask down, and he was smiling from ear to ear. He said, for an old woman who had heart issues, you've done amazing. Anything, here we go with prayer, anything that could have gone right with this surgery, did. And anything that could have gone wrong, did not. Praise be to God for his amazing care over me. The second thing I'm here to tell you, and I'm not going to be the nice grandma right now, I'm mean. <laughs> because you need to hear what I have to say. You're in a stage of your life now where you're making choices of schools, careers, mates, girlfriends, not girlfriends, boyfriends, not boyfriends. And it's time for you to take seriously a walk with God. It's all the difference in the world. We're all in a race. I have fewer laps to go than you do. But we're all in this race that's called life. It has a finish line. And it has a trophy. And when you walk with the Lord and let him be your guide, let him be your friend, let him be your savior, he will bring you to that end. And that trophy will be yours. And that's eternal life with him forever and ever. And I challenge you today, young people, that he makes the difference. You never know when you're going to end up on an operating table with a very serious operation or a, an emergency room with a car accident or a drug overdose or even something even more serious or even jail. And I'm not kidding. Those things happen to young people. But I'm here to encourage you as a grandma. I pray for my grandkids every morning. I don't want to be in heaven without them. They're so dear. And you are too. And God wants you in heaven with him. He created you. And he died for you. You think he wants to just let you go? He wants you to be with him forever. And with me. You'll get to see Grandma Frederick in heaven if you pay attention to this. And so this morning as you sit here in this first chapel of the new year, please think about what this old lady said today. And there's a love for me, for you, because of that bowl of prayer. Thank you so much. You know, she's, uh, she's feisty, but she's soft to the Lord, isn't she? And that's the way I think we all want to be. So let's pray. Uh, Father, I just want to uh, thank you this morning uh, for just uh, working in our lives, for sharing this, this great book of Ecclesiastes with us. And uh, Lord, I just want to uh, pray this morning that we would remember Remember our creator, remember you, that we'd be thinking about you, that we'd be 
drawing on your strength, that we would be in letting ourselves be encouraged by you and lifting our needs to you. And uh, Lord, we just want to thank you for, for the opportunities you've given us to be your servants and to pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.